humans are doing the same thing that AI is doing. Really, AI is just accelerating the speed with which we can... It's made it yeah. faster. So, I mean, with text, it's different. Because paintings, if it's different enough, you can say that's not really Chuck Close's work. That's not this other painter's work. It's clearly a different painting. But with text, if there are a couple of sentences that are the same, yeah. you stole that. So if Sarah S Silverman tells a story about her friend in her book, and then that same story with the same name gets told in another text bit by AI, that is straight up stealing. It's different. Mm. And you know, I have a very, very, uh, there's a comedian that I really, really like. And he just posted a video. His name is Rafi. And he tells these mostly, you know, English, the second language jokes or immigrant jokes that are very easily relatable to me. Great style. And then he has a joke where he says, I hate verbs mm. in English. He says, I dance, you dance, he dances. Why? Does he dance more than I do? <laughs> you know, so, so it, was, it was a very funny joke. And then someone on TikTok took that joke and then said, oh, I hate verbs in English because I drink coffee. You drink coffee. He drinks coffee. Does he drink more coffee than oh. I do? And so he posted a video about that. And, you know, that that TikTok video got so many views. And of course, she got money from it. But who is there to kind of protect the rights of these comedians it's hard it's hard even without ai welcome to the bridge fun conversations on culture life and everything in between welcome to the bridge my name is jason today with me is alex sure hello everybody this is alex Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So um, artists in the U.S. and elsewhere are suing companies that are responsible for AI. Hmm. Is AI stealing from our artists? Can Hollywood writing be replaced by robots? What will happen to our most celebrated storytellers, painters, and musicians if their ideas can just be sucked up by massive databases and reproduced in part by anyone at will, including me? Even comedians <laughs> are saying the robots are coming for their jobs. You're a stand-up yeah. comedian. What do you think about that? I'll start from what hits closest to home, which is for comedians. We tried stuff. Yes, they write jokes. It's technically and theoretically and functionally a joke. But they're not funny. <laughs> oh, really? They're not funny. That could be maybe that could be even a style, though. Not funny jokes are can be very funny if they're told. There right. are two people <laughs> in China that tried to do this. They said we watched a lot of comedies and stuff and we came up with a formula that produces joke. Hmm. Like any joke you want, it, the formula will produce it for you. And they kept saying they are the pioneers of these kind of scientifically engineered jokes. And they're just really not funny. And the way I, <laughs> when AI came about, AI was saying the same thing. And a lot of people have tried. Maybe we didn't try good enough. But last time I tried to use AI to write jokes, it told me the topic that it picked was not suitable to be made light oh, of. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. It said, as an AI language model, I cannot write a joke about that topic because this is a serious topic and it shouldn't be made uh, light of. And I was like, why are you judging me, AI? Wow, that's almost not funny okay. in itself. But you know, I know there are AIs with less scruples. You can just get a different program that doesn't care what you ask it to do. 
too. But you know, you know Sarah Silverman, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a very famous comedian. She wrote a novel, a book about her life and you know her life stories with other people. Mm. And apparently AI sucked that up. Uh-huh. And you know, because this is what the AI does. It goes and it just absorbs it scraps data you know, a million yeah. people's writing exactly or painting and all this stuff and then it reproduced in part things that she had written that were specifically and exclusively for her book mm. so now she is suing chat gpt alleging copyright infringement she should be because there is at the same time i mean we can expand on that later but we just came back from another um animation copyright fair in uh dongguan city and mm. on that on that conference at the conference one of the biggest tech companies here introduced their service of putting your intellectual property on their blockchain and then they will put digital watermark and other protective measures on your uh, intellectual property so that if anyone uses it, if they detect anyone using it, then they automatically get served a paper so that your intellectual creation is protected. Wow. You know, it's really interesting. Mm. I have a website for removing the watermarks from pictures. (laughs) (laughs) You upload the picture with the watermark on it it's covered in and the it, watermark. it gets rid of and the you, yeah you click a button and it just and it's free too i'm not gonna is say is that ai as well i don't think it's it may be ai related but it is some kind of you know software technology obviously and it, yeah. it just detects where the watermark is and removes the watermark from the picture so that you can have use the picture without the watermark yeah i mean i'm not surprised if there are more services like that that are going against each other you know you say you can use ai to protect intellectual property then i will use use ai to help you escape from those fees that you have to pay for these so-called protection services you know i oftentimes use um AI to draw pictures for me to for various purposes mm. for posting on the internet mm-hmm. and whatnot. That's smart. But there is a notice. I even I notice, oh wow, this one, you know, it's like Chuck Close's work. Or oh wow, this one is emulating yeah. Ma- Michelle Basquiat's work. You can tell that the AI is emulating existing artists and copying their styles. Now, is that okay? Mm. Is it not okay? See, when Sarah Silverman is suing ChatGPT for intellectual property right infringement, she's actually not just one lady suing ChatGPT. Because in the United States, precedent Mm. is how law works. If she wins, that will mean that millions of other people who have had their websites and can sue ChatGPT and other text-based AI programs for infringing on their copyright. And it's just going to be a free-for-all in the United States of lawsuits. I know. It's just a very, very tricky topic at the moment because if you talk to people that work in fine arts especially it's such a hot topic because um you know how capable they are and it's not even that they're taking things that are already created it's like you're they're emulating the process of human beings creating art because the way we create art is also to learn and reference other existing artworks so mm-hmm. we were talking to one of the teachers one of the professors at a an animation program and he said last year when generative ai first came out his students that were all like you know a uh, animation technician majors you know students who work in those 3d 
animation software making models, making the the lighting, the mm-hmm. rigging. They he said, I'm not exaggerating, but all of my students freaked out. <laughs> they kept knocking on the door of my office and say, Should I change major? Should I try to do something? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they were like having a general, like a very genuine panic of this technology. You know, that that may be indicative of some of them, you know, whatever percent, five or fifteen of them percent of them who dropped out who wouldn't have mm. that AI is literally reducing the amount of artists in the global population now. That's kind of the same. We have this because, you know, my boyfriend is an animation director and so mm-hmm. I'm forced to at least listen to a lot of these conversations and he's very you passionate mean you about it. get this. to sit in on these brilliant, insightful conversations. Yes, yes, yes. It's great. You know, it's very insightful. It's very inspiring. But you hear them like 20 times in a day and you're like, I'm done with it. But, <laughs> you know, what they say is that there's always been technology, uh, you know, big breakthroughs or big reforms that happen when the animation was, you know, just purely pen and paper. Everybody was like, oh, I'll just draw on pen and paper. Mm. And then um, and then you need people to draw the thumbnails, the keyframes, and then you need people to draw the frames that connect two key poses. We call them in-betweeners. And then computer software came about. And that job is mm. completely wiped out from the entire industry. So if by that point you haven't got mm. any more skills in the animation field of work, then it's very unfortunate that you you are going to be out of job for a little bit. I think it's the kind of Retool. same, yeah, the same situation now, but it's probably a lot more alarming, a lot more terrifying. So you're saying we we reference each other's art anyway. Yeah. So someone who's a lot of people have seen um, Starry Night, for example, probably one of the mo- more cliche paintings that people like to copy. And there are just Mm. thousands of other people around the world who paint in a similar style now who have taken that and they have sucked up it up from their, in their data, in their human mind database. (laughs) And then they have attempted to emulate similar strokes or similar colors or similar patterns, similar designs, even copying the painting itself in different places and different formats with different colors and different styles. So like humans are doing the same thing that AI is doing really AI. AI is just accelerating the speed with which we can... It's made it faster. So, I mean, with text, it's different. Because paintings, if it's different enough, you can say that's not really Chuck Close's work. That's not this other painter's work. It's clearly a different painting. But with text, if there are a couple of sentences that are the same, you stole that. So if Sarah Silverman tells a story about her friend in her book, and then that same story with the same name gets told in another text by AI, that is straight up stealing. It's different. Mm. And you know, I have a very, very, uh, there's a comedian that I really, really love. And he just posted a video. His name is Rafi. And he tells these mostly, you know, English and second language jokes or immigrant jokes that are very easily relatable to me. Great style. And then he has a joke where he says, I hate verbs in English. He says, I dance. You dance. He dances. Why? Does he dance more than I do? <laughs> you know, so so it was, it was a very funny joke. And then someone on TikTok took that joke and then said, oh, I hate verbs in English because I drink coffee. You drink coffee. He drinks coffee. Does he drink more coffee than uh. I do? And so he posted a video about that. And, you know, that that TikTok video got so many views. And of course, she got money from it. But who is there to kind of protect the rights of these comedians it's hard it's hard even without ai and now with ai i i understand why sarah silverman had to take that step to at least make a stance oh yeah 
are listening to the bridge. There's a famous comedian who was on MTV and he had his own show, or maybe it was Comedy Central. I think it was Comedy Central. Mm. He had a he had a, a show for a couple of years in the late 1990s, early 2000s. And some people after he had become famous, it was in his second season, noticed that, hey, wait, these are not his jokes originally. You know, this is Richard Pryor's joke, or this is this other comedian's joke. And yeah. it was about a month of this dis- public discourse going on, and his show is canceled. Not like canceled mm. next season, but it stopped airing because wow. Comedy Central, I think it was Comedy Central, took it seriously and was like, yeah, these are, in fact, mm. the same jokes. So on a small scale for uh, people who do it, like in bars, it may be uh, more challenging. Because, But when you're on TV... Yeah, it's recorded. And millions of people have seen it, someone's going to notice that you're just repeating old jokes. Exactly. And then the thing is, I feel like there are times where... Com- comedians kind of get inspired by other people's jokes. But if you are aware of things like this, if you did get inspiration for some of the patterns or some of the topics that you hear from other comics, then you will take extra caution when you create your own jokes to stay away from what will make your joke very, very similar to what you hear. Mm. But then there are other careless comedians who just kind of, you know, like the the TikToker that took Rafi's joke. It's just like, I, you know, try to don't be so lazy, you know, <laughs> think about think a little further and i'm not saying that she wasn't she shot the video good for Mm -hmm. her but still it was so similar it's way too similar all she did was that she changed the subject and made it coffee Mm -hmm. that's it I know that we all know there are only so many topics out there that can be talked about. We're not comedians or, you know, writers in that in that uh, in that logic. We're not creating. (laughs) Reminds me of a joke. Oh, okay. Hold on to your thought. Please don't forget. Sure, sure. We're not creating anything new, anything that didn't exist before. You know, for example, love is love. We're not creating something called oval, you know, it's <laughs> or evil. It's not we're creating stuff, but it, there are always different approaches and different angles to to approach this this topic. So just think a little harder and don't take it straight from the person. At least show some respect. If you did, at least credit that person. If you are really having much such um, a bigger following and it got a lot of people support, like, hey, this joke was original told by Rafi and I retold it in a different medium, which is video, which is Mm -hmm, fine. mm -hmm. I think that actually, if you're, let's go back to Sarah Silverman for a second. If someone read Sarah Silverman, say the New Yorker, a critic read her book, they could say in Sarah Silverman's book, quote, and put like a sentence in there and then talk about why they think it's good or bad. That when you are giving credit to the original author, that is the manner in which that you're supposed to operate. So it's not that AI just took Sarah Silverman's text. It's that Mm -hmm. it took it without giving credit to Sarah Silverman. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like how if we treat it all like writing academic papers and we all have to do literature review, bibliography, you yeah, know? right. Or footnotes. Well, I'll be okay. Yeah. It does remind me of a joke. This is I can't attribute it because I read it in a meme, but I'm sure it came from a comedian originally. It, it's uh, once you've read the dictionary, all other books are just remixes. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I like that. Now, now books mean something different to me. Okay, so you know, I wanted to talk about this. Sarah Silverman is not just a comedian; she's also a famous actress. She's on a lot of TV shows. Mm-hmm. There's even rumors that she may be a future host of uh, The Daily Show because she did a week. But um, right now we have the Hollywood strike and there are a lot of different 
angles that firstly i want to tell a story so did you know that yeah the place that they were protesting the physical place they were protesting uh-huh. has a bunch of really shady trees and about a oh and then they caught yeah, the trees then someone came in the middle of the night and cut the trees it wasn't the city it turns out it was the studio who oh didn't my ha- God. who did not have control over the trees but did it anyway to remove the shade from the protesters and because the fines already exist legally the studio was only punished $250 because that was the highest wow. fine for pruning a tree in Los Angeles without a permit. Wow. I don't even know what to say to that, but I mean, it's awful. <laughs> oh my God. They cut the, t- wow. I saw the picture with the shaved trees. And I'm just like, I hope those trees grow back to be what they are. <laughs> so it's just such a low blow. It is. It it's is. like, wow, they're protesting. Let's remove their shade. How evil is that? I know. That's I co- know. That was some corporate nonsense. Anyways, so one of the things that they're protesting, because they're they're asking for a lot of terms. There's, it's a very complicated uh, yeah. landscape now in Hollywood with all of this technology emerging. And one of the things is that studios mm. want to take extras when they come on set and film them from different angles before they go to stand in their position or walk by in the background or drink coffee in the back of Starbucks or whatever, and then be able to use their images in perpetuity forever. Oh, so they don't have to rehire them for different projects. Yeah, they could have this extra be sipping the same coffee in a different movie forever, or they could use AI to change what they're doing or drink or even make them into a completely yeah. different actor. You, They would never have to rehire this person for any anything and just eliminate extras huh so so if this person wow. is hired for the first time when his image gets reused does he get a hundred bucks does he get royalty pay if he doesn't <laughs> no. then that's crazy not yet that's the studios just want to say no we paid him his 200 bucks mm. now or she she can go and we're done with her but then she appears in like seven movies or whatever and then basically after the first wave of extras there will be no more extras because everybody's already in their database it's insane it's in it's so the, the obviously there's another issue and that ai can write scripts Mm. can write stories and then you have Mm. say you right now your tv shows using 10 comedians to write your show now you have ai you could hire two or three people have ai generate a script and the two or three people go over it and fix it you've just eliminated more than half of your staff writing staff so this is a huge deal Mm. it's the hollywood strike right now is determining the shape of the entertainment industry in at least america Mm. for the foreseeable future for the next decades or even centuries this is a huge deal right sometimes i wonder if the studios know something that we don't yet or maybe they have better ways of training ai or talking to ai um, what's the word? You give them directions, so they give you return results. Because when we tried using AI, we were just trying to mess with it. We tried using AI to write scripts, mm. and yes, it gives you a product uh, for script, but the the story is not. You know, we wanted something that's more punchy. It's there's not. It's no. It's not punchy. It's more of like a narration of someone's day. There was no conflicts. There's no. Um. You know. There's no drama. Uh, there's no structure or anything that excites you here and there something looks good um so i don't know if the studio has done things that are on a larger scale where they have had very satisfying results yielded by ai but on a personal level i haven't seen anything that makes me go oh my god whatever i come up is not going to be better than this and for sure i should change career (laughs) so you know sometimes i wonder i do wonder is there something behind the closed doors that we don't know oh yeah 
are listening to the bridge. In terms of the bridge, we were entering the bridge podcast into a competition for podcasts to try to win an award. Ooh. And they said, Jason, can you write 500 words about what the bridge is? So I sat down and I mm-hmm. wrote for an hour and until I got to 550 words. And then I waited a few hours, did other things, came back to it and rewrote it. And at the end, I was like, I wonder if AI could do this. So I signed into chat GPT and asked it to do it. And what it wrote was, while grammatically correct, not like interesting or appealing at Mm. all. And so like, yes, it can write text, but the human touch of feeling, empathizing, thinking about cultural moments, words that are trending or were trending or twist, putting things in certain contexts. Right now, it does seem that humans need to be at least somewhere in the mix. Yeah. And you know how people are... uh you know, going back to the students that were freaking out over how much generative AI can do, I always say, well, as long as they don't have emotions or we don't know how they can process emotions and human randomness, which which is something that we do have because we do have random thoughts that's not logical or in context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Until they could do that, I don't think we need to be you know, freaking out as a so we whole need to teach AI to be irrational com- community, <laughs> you know, but if the day, if the day did come where AI absolutely had emotions and a sentient and all of that, then I at that point, we're at the point of no return and there's nothing to be scared of anymore. We just go with the flow and see where it takes us. We will no longer allow you to be entertained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We talked about this in a former show and some families are, you know, mm. right now, Hollywood is mostly respectful to a lot of families like uh, Carrie Fisher. They helped her family who had a foundation set up for her Mm. benefit from Carrie Fisher's uh, visual replication in a couple of Star Wars movies under Disney. And Harrison Ford was part of the process in the new Mm. Indiana Jones 5, actually acted those scenes out and they superimposed his younger self onto him. But the concern is now increasingly... Hollywood doesn't have to be moral, doesn't have to be ethical. So we need the law or contractual obligations to indicate their limitations. Mm. Actors and actresses, especially young actors and actresses who are trying to break into Hollywood and to other forums, need to be very vigilant about protecting their, Mm. their physical identity you know, their their appearance, their actual voice and all of these things, yeah. which can be reproduced, not just using AI, but other forms of software can begin to replicate them in whole or mm. in part. And so we're in a very bizarre time in terms of mm. that. I mean, this is I mean, acting is a kind of writing, too. But you're instead of using a pen and paper, you're using your body and your face and your voice. Yeah, that's true. That's why I'm really glad when uh, China came out with the regulations. I think the regulations are going to go into full effect in early August, which is very soon. And basically, it's something pretty simple. I think every government or every institution that oversees this, uh, the tech sector needs to come up with something like this, but it's very complicated. So basically, right now, the kind of a fast and simple rule in China is that if your product is publicly accessible and it generates text, image or videos or any 
um, a type of media that could be consumed by the public, then it has to go under security reviews and uh, they have to register their alg- algorithms with the government as well if you want to launch your product. Mm. But if you're a private, for example, let's say ByteDance wants to create a, an AI tool uh, to help its design process, to help its uh, you know uh, product development process, but it's only for the company, then you don't have to go through anything like companies that produces publicly accessible products do. Based on the amount of patents that China is putting out in specific fields like solar technology, because China is not just putting out more patents, it's putting out 10 to 1 Mm. against other countries in terms of the amount of patents. I think the careful regulation of copywritten material in China is being taken more seriously than any nation has ever taken care of copywritten materials. And I was talking to a young lady who Mm. got a master's degree at, um, I think, Renmin University in copywriting. Uh, Her name is Myrna. Mm. She was explaining that the processes are obviously evolving, but one of the things that the Chinese government does is that it insists that different companies have certain amounts of people who know how to do these processes and are actively teaching their staff members. So massive companies in China across the board, from ByteDance to Huawei and more, Mm. are actively teaching their technicians of various kinds how to protect the material that they're creating. Mm. So there is a huge uptick in the amount of copywritten, notarized, and other Mm. materials coming out of China for the purpose of protecting people's rights and companies' rights. Definitely. And then big techs are also launching their own products like the one that I mentioned to help smaller entities to at least travel and grow with a little bit of sense of security with these uh, copyright protection products. I also learned, and this is a little off topic, but I think it's interesting Mm. that in China, that if you have a technology that you have patented, depending on what kind of technology it is, after a certain amount of years pass Mm. where you have not brought it to market, it then can pass back into public domain. Mm. So if you create a new kind of lithium battery technology that no one has but then you go bankrupt oh, for so you example, don't get to hog and it. then you just end up opening this is mine <laughs> yeah you can't just say this is mine forever yeah after like i don't know however long mm. it is five or ten years or some something so another company can say we're going to now develop that and bring that to market because mm. it never came to fruition because that way that way society can move forward and no one can just hoard the ideas oh speaking of it's on this topic but just off our topic just a little bit more but i i just saw it and i think it's mm. great that this uh one of uh, china's top medical scholars he discovered this medicine that could significantly improve the health situation of patients with leukemia which which is a very hard disease to cure and also mm. a disease that has helped a mm. lot of big pharma make a lot of money, you know, and he didn't patent it mm. after he discovered and he trialed with it, you know, did all of the clinical trials and everything, made sure that it worked. He didn't even apply for the patent. And then when they asked him, when the journalist asked him, uh, did you ever calculate how much money you would have lost or you you did lose for not patenting it and he said the only thing I want after I discovered this medicine is for for this medicine to treat the patient so I never calculated it and I was like oh my god that is such a beautiful spirit and we need more people like that Jason. We do actually that would be idyllic if a lot of these big pharma companies could let go of some of the drugs in the United States so that instead of people deciding whether they want to eat or live 
live. Yeah. They yeah. could they could do both. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's a little heavy. Um. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that it that AI does is music. Mm. And so we have subscriptions to several sets of AI. We have AI for voice, we have a couple of different AI for pictures and now we have in in my family, my wife and I, we have a uh, musical AI. So I actually really like um TikTok. I'm a huge fan of TikTok because if I go on to the cap cut <laughs> in the United States in the English version, I can uh, mix videos and there's like thousands, I don't know, millions of songs. There's so much. But, you know, if you take that and upload it to some platforms, the platform runs a, a search and it's like this belongs to TikTok. Mm. It'll post it on this other platform with no sound. And that is obviously very frustrating mm. because I want to I want my, my clip to be very musical. Yeah. But what, what we can can do is use AI to make up songs that sound like we want the kind of music we want. And this is dangerous. I'm doing it anyway. Mm. I'm sorry. But it is dangerous because it takes takes existing music from existing musicians and that it emulates their styles to create similar music that is not copywritten. And then I can use it on all my lovely videos. That is true. It's stealing, isn't it? Aren't robots am, am I not using robots to steal from real artists? You <laughs> I am. <laughs> As many people are as yeah, well, you know. Exactly. But this is this is dangerous, obviously, because, okay, mm -hmm. this I want to tell a story for the, all the youngins. And I mean people who are basically 30 or younger. I'm not sure if you're going to relate or not. So in the 1990s, mm. uh, Napster and other similar vehicles began to steal. Okay, let me go back in time even more. There was once a time... Mm that people went to CD stores. They were wonderful. They were part of the culture, like cafes are all over the world today. It was just like that. And there were music stores everywhere. Every small town in America and every big city had various vehicles for you to go in, listen to records, listen to tapes, listen to CDs. People would come over to your home and look at your CD collection. And they would awe and ooh over what you owned and you would listen mm. to music together. And this was a, a totally yeah. different time. <laughs> Then in Napster came along and was like, whoa, this is yeah. a better vehicle for getting music out to people and people are going to use this. So they began pirating, which is another word for stealing music. <laughs> One of the defenses that the music industry trying to protect their profit margins use were you're stealing from the artist. Mm. So these gigantic corporations tried to defend their profit margins by using the artist to tug people's heartstrings. Anyways, it was summed <laughs> up by lawsuits where mm. the companies won and uh, all of these pirating entities almost don't exist or they're on the margins of society now. And yeah. in fact, people get consumers of pirated materials, get bills and gets sued now in the United States. So this is mm. so now the big, yeah, yeah, yeah. the big companies have taken Napster's platform and turned that into iTunes and other vehicles, NetEase here in China and other vehicles for us to be able to pay for and download music legally. Mm. But now we've entered a new phase of this struggle with the music industry where I can go and buy, pay for a, uh, a, you know, an AI vehicle to make music, which then goes to the big companies like mm. labels and steals their styles of yeah. their artists and copies it. And I can say, this is my original music that I made at home mm. with my AI. So it's a very interesting development. 
And I wonder what the outcome of this is going to be because mm. people pay premium to go see Taylor Swift. I mean, oh she is God. killing people to go to her. People are traveling to other continents. Americans are flying to Europe to see Taylor Swift because it's cheaper to fly to Taylor Swift's European concerts than pay for a hotel and a plane true. Than to see her in America. That's true. And then, you know what? Seeing all of those videos of people singing along to Taylor Swift songs, I'm, you know, I like, I like her, but I'm not like a super fan of Taylor Swift. Swift, but those videos make me want to go watch her live just to just to feel the passion. She makes ten million dollars a night on her tours. Oh my, that is insane. That's her cut. That's her cut. Ten million dollars a night. Hmm. Oh my god, I can't. She does a hundred <laughs> concerts. She's a billionaire. For every hundred concerts, she's made a billion dollars. You know, this is the kind of amount of <laughs> money that I can't even think about. I feel like if I ever made ten million dollars, I would be like, you know what? I'm not doing anything else for the rest of my life. This is it. This is it. I'm never gonna work you again. You want a tour? <laughs> you can have a tour of my yacht. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. listening to The Bridge. But speaking of where this is going to go, I was thinking about how, I don't know if you noticed, for example, recently, uh, YouTube just opened up the picture-in-picture function, right? I don't know if you use it. I use it a lot because... The I, what function? The picture-in-picture. It's called PIP. What's picture-in-picture? What? I, I'm on YouTube every day. I don't know what you're talking you, about. You could try it with your iPhone if you've upgraded to the latest... Uh, I, oh, no. I have a real I, phone. I, oh I don't my use God. Mac technology. You can do that on your phone, on your real phone <laughs> as well. I think they just open it up to the public because before that you would have to pay for like a premium membership for you to be able to watch YouTube videos with a window floating on top of your other apps so I know it opens up a completely new world right and then that was that was a paid function before but now because a lot more people are using it and a lot other wait I have a question uh, streaming apps can you make the screen any size like the size of maybe a thumb I think you have least I haven't tried it with a YouTube floating window, but I've tried it with other Tencent video and Yoku video uh, floating window. You you have three size options, mm. one that takes kind of like a third of the screen. So you, you still have a pretty comfortable yeah. viewing size. See, this is what what I need is it to be able to be like one inch by one inch so that it can be on my screen, but no one notices uh, it. So while I'm working, I can still watch. Well, you Are you sure you can still watch? You can still see what's going on in that one inch by one inch, but they do have a smaller, just, smaller option option for you that's tiny kind of takes like a third of the width of your phone and then tiny tiny portion so people are going to notice i'm watching videos it because you're going <laughs> to laugh not. you're going to laugh <laughs> yeah but you know that has become public because the competitors are doing it everybody's doing it mm. for free mm. and so youtube opened it up as well and then other functions like you know how these uh, uh, video platforms don't allow you to just use any music as the background of your video, right? Because they say, oh, mm. either we don't have the copyright or you look like you're making money from this video, uh, from this uh, audio, so we don't allow you to do it. Mm. But I think that's bound to change as more people are encouraged to become creators on different video platforms. And that's just a trend that you can't avoid. Mm. And I think the same trend will probably apply for AI-related tools as well. 
Like if you want people to, if you want this to touch the general public, then the kind of the unavoidable, you know, outcome is you just you just can't make it so restricted and people mm. can't um, use it at all. Branching out to visual art because your boyfriend, he's into uh, making um, animation. So, you know, Shane, Anim- so Shane sells art. So one of the things that they've been doing is they've been taking AI oh. and emulating cutting edge artists work. Well, yeah. wow, that's a, such a great idea. Then they go home or to the office and they make almost identical versions of it that are just changed through, you know, a prism, whatever. And they sell it for huge amounts of money. And now they are also being accused of stealing and probably there will be a class action Mm. lawsuit against Shane for basically stealing. Let's say there's a Beatles song. Let's just say whatever. It's a, a yesterday. If you change one chord or a couple chords in that song, legally, it's not the same song. If there's their actual legal stipulations, how many notes need to be changed? Yeah. If you just change it enough mm. and then change half of the words, you oh. can have almost the same song and then you could potentially sell it. And so a lot of songs are actually very similar to each other because artists are emulating yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of lawsuits about that as well. Yeah, there are Lot of, so what is the world going to become? You know what? We need more AI lawyers because that's where we're going. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, because, you know, these these things are actually all written very, very explicitly in the what do you call it? in the law? <laughs> is that, yeah. Is that how you even say it? in the law documents or whatever it's oh. called? But anyways, these things are all, all very re- written, very explicitly. Like mm. what's the, the regulations or law that you're breaking and how what quantifies and what? qualifies this as a violation of copyright for example in a, in a song if there if i can identify i think it's four bars that are completely the same then that counts mm. as stealing that counts as violation it's really interesting because there is a guy i watch on instagram i follow him i don't remember his name off the top of my head but he will just sit there and he has got a big studio mm. he doesn't even talk actually this guy's whole thing is he points up and he'll show a song that's playing and it has the date and the name of the artist and it'll be like 1917 such and such song then he'll point up and it'll be like 1946 and such and such song mm. he points to another artist 1983 such and such song yeah and He'll point to another artist, 2018, a such and such song. And he shows you that these four songs over and over and over. And he does like hundreds of different videos like this where yeah. he does this over oh, and yeah, over. Oh, yeah, I remember. That these songs are almost exactly identical to each I've other. I've seen his videos. But then, and if you put it that way, then that's that kind of brings about a very interesting analogy. You know how people do the 23 and me and then you would think that these two people are completely different from each other Mm. and then if you do 23 and me we could all trace back to the same ancestor or you have shared relatives that you don't know of it's very complicated and i guess that's why we have to have you know the law looking at it because people want to continue to make money as artists but we're getting into this weird nebulous zone where i can't even define the problem anymore because there are so many problems so many issues going on all the, at the same time and they make sense from different angles yeah. there's an article americanmagazine.org and it, it asserts right in the title chat gpt and I, I think that's just short for all ai it yeah. is not artificial intelligence it's theft and so it goes on to argue <laughs> that for, for it's from writers guild to other painters everything is being you know, sucked up into these massive databases and then reproduced. Mm. And I think it's really interesting because 
like I mentioned earlier on in the program, mm. if it was me listening to your song as a human and then reproducing something similar, because I was like, wow, I love R.E.M. We're going to do an R.E.M. style band that does songs like R.E.M. Mm. Then you couldn't say I was stealing from you. You would just say I was inspired by you. Oh. <laughs> but A.I. doesn't get inspired. It's yeah. apparently. I mean, it's 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 a very thin line. It's very hard to define what is stealing in this case. Well, I think A.I. is also going to mm. play out in various kinds of strikes, including the Hollywood actors strike, which is ongoing, right? That's still happening. It's still it's still ongoing. I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. I think we're looking at maybe yeah, March next you know, year or something. I can't remember, but there were a couple of movies that were written by non-professional writers during the 1990s writer strike mm. that were unusual and stood out because... They were not written by, you know, the usual folks. Not to say that the usual folks aren't doing a great job, but sometimes it takes a fresh perspective to re-inject new energy into mm. a system. So yeah. I think I don't have the answers. I don't think our job here on The Bridge is to come up with the answers. I agree. But I also have a question. You mentioned that the entities which are producing AI here in China are required to register some kinds of software with the government and make sure that they're following certain policies. Yeah. But what about the user end for AI here in China? Mm. Is it possible that someone is able to say, oh, I really liked that movie that came out last year. Mm. AI, can you write me a script like that? And then they go back through with a human touch and touch up a couple scenes, mm. get it kind of fresh, and then reproduce that. Is that is that problematic here? How is that seen within the Chinese context? I don't think there's regulations or even definitions on whether that is problematic or not at the moment. And I, I do know a lot of people, especially people in the creative industry, do use AI to generate kind of the base model or the base draft they're going to work on. Um, because that we had a conversation with our uh, senior editor friend working for a big media outlet, big news agency, and we we're talking about what kind of people that will be replaced by AI, and it's justifiably so. And the conclusion of that discussion is that people that are doing kind of the groundwork, kind of the, you know, the very fundamental work for any creative jobs are probably going to be replaced by AI very soon. Just like the, you know, if you remember the example that I gave at the very beginning of the show, that in between is for animations mm -hmm. Are going to be replaced by replaced by technological advancement. Same thing for what we're looking at nowadays. And then what we're saying here, like if you need AI to kind of generate very basic scripts, mm -hmm. um, and then you want to, or you want AI to give you an outline for a story, because if you really look at the outline of any film project, they're not that different. It's yeah. how you Boy execute girl. it. Girl doesn't yeah, like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you know the donor, the the hero, and whatever. I don't think that is as problematic as other types of AI generative art. That's just my personal opinion, but it does. For example, if I say I want to have a, an environment painting that looks like this and this, and then I'll add whatever I want to do with my movie into that painting. At the end of it, it's not the original generated image from from ChatGPT or Midjourney. So I don't know. It's it's such a it's so confusing to think about. Oh yeah. Listening to the bridge. Learning new skills and new tools is, is something that is happening more frequently, but it's always happened. I'm, I'm sure that the first mm, exactly. person, the first hominid 
to go into a cave and do a painting, like use saf, you know, one particular kind of plant to get the color. But then someone else was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then they get a different tool and they also make a cave painting. And yeah. like, you stole my idea, but you're using yeah. a different medium. So I'm like, it's probably going on for, you know, millennia and millennia and millennia. That's true. So Dalton, for example, your boyfriend who we've had on the show, he is mm-hmm. an animator. One thing I've seen that I th- think is really fascinating is mm. you can take footage of just random stuff. So like I could be in my living room and pick up a giant, um, you know, paper towel tube and sword fight with my wife. And then we tell certain program software programs to turn that into like a medieval battle in, you know, France and the 1400s and it will do it. Mm. So like, is this something that people in the, uh, the animation industry are having to relearn all new skills? Always. They always kind of have always. to relearn because it's not just, you know, from paper to computer. It is also the kind of the revolution from 2D to 3D. That's something that didn't exist before. And they yeah. had to do it while they're on the job. So um, Dalton actually yeah. just said this the other day. He said, I'll never put myself just in one line of work. And we said this to our friend who teaches at the university where the students freaked out as well. You shouldn't just, you know, put your in a very like narrow line of work and think this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. You should always think about what other skills that are related to something that you're kind of innately mm-hmm. interested in or passionate mm-hmm. about because it's, it might be one of the hardest truths to break to kids, but the world is ever evolving. I want to tell a really brief story. Yes, There please. are two versions of the original Star Trek movie. Uh-huh. And the original Star Trek movie, the first movie, which was called Star Trek, mm. They made it in 1975 Mm. and then right around 76, when the movie was going to was going through post-production, new technologies emerged and movies were released that made it look Mm. laughable. Like, whoa, this is no longer the same movie era. So they had to reshoot and redo the scenes for about three quarters of the movie. Mm. And then they released Star Trek, the original movie. So somewhere in a Hollywood underground like bunker, (laughs) they were like, you know, vault. Yeah. There's an old, really crappy version of Star Trek, the original motion picture. Oh, wow. That's interesting. The reason I, I mentioned this is I'm very interested in AI and I've already, you know, occasionally use it. Not very often, honestly, but I know how to mm. use it if I want to. Mm. And I think it's really interesting. A lot of people are worried in the tech industry. Am I going to be replaced? And it, what's really clear to me, even though I'm not really in that industry, is that they're going to be the people who learn how to use AI and incorporate into their work and they will get to keep their jobs and they're those who are going to be scared of AI and not learn how to use it and those people will not. Mm. So just like any medium where you have to learn new skills as you know technology is adapting and developing, yeah. if our listeners want to be part of the future, they need to go out and learn the present and future technologies. Yeah, you know, we don't want to sound like we're ruthless and we're just on the side. <laughs> you know, but it is true that you kind of have to face the really the hard truth of this world that it's just going to change as ever is ever coming and it's not going to stop and it's probably going to grow, you know, it's going to get faster exponentially in the next couple of decades. So what can we do as humans? We just have to embrace the changes and just ready to pivot I mean, at all times. 100% on that. It still doesn't answer our original question for either of us. And I don't think necessarily we have to, but I think it's worth mm. considering. Are robots stealing from us? <laughs> uh, so um, I, I guess yeah. we have to wait for the verdict 
on the uh, how does the worker strike come out and does Sarah Silverman win a couple other lawsuits? And these are going to be determining, you know, how we look at the shape of culture, because oftentimes when sometimes, sorry, sometimes when laws are passed, they decide for us as a culture what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes when laws are passed, yep. people are like, nope, going to fight that until I die. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Yep. And some people do do that for the rest of their life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there are certain laws in the United States that I would certainly think that need to be challenged. So, you know, that is a reality of the way that the system works. Yeah. There are so many different ways to think about it. If you worked on a um, car assembly line. Okay. And then now your assembly line has robots, you were replaced. But mm. some people who knew how to... To use interact with robotic technologies and we're staying at cutting edge, guess what? They got to keep their jobs. That's true. I guess my point is whether or not AI is stealing is out of our hands to some extent. It's in exactly. the it's in the the purview of the lawyers I and the judges agree. and mm. the the lawmakers and things. Mm. For us personally, for us little people <laughs> who are just like creators and consumers of media, yeah. it's just for us to uh Make sure that we are valuable and an evolving economy. Exactly. I think we just have to, or maybe a more practical tips that we can give people if you're still looking for jobs or evaluating your company, your employer, and see if they're a good employer. Choose the ones that provide company trainings for you to learn different skills, whether they're, they're oh, wow, that's Im brilliant advice. you know, immediately related to your jobs or, or not. And then it doesn't even have to be all AI related. And there's this Chinese saying um, uh, that we like to tell people is that we said more skills don't weigh extra on you. Like it doesn't hurt to have more skills. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, is that a contemporary phrase or an old Kind phrase? of an older, mm. much older phrase. Okay. So I think this mm. is changing too. In my day, when I was young, 80s, 90s, we looked at people in my parents and grandparents' generation as mm. not as capable of learning the skills of younger people. And I think that is still true for very um, narrow things like computer programming, for mm. example. It's probably better that you started very young. I didn't even use Instagram or Twitter yeah. or some of these other programs until last year. And now I have 13,000 fans on Twitter. And you know how I did it was going and learning mm. new skills. And I, I'm, I'm not, I don't work and I earn anything from <laughs> Coursera, but Coursera does offer affordable classes for people to take online yeah. to develop themselves. And you don't even need that. You can just go to YouTube. Exactly. Like, All the free of, resources. There's a ton of free resources. I think it's very interesting. Even if you want to learn like calculus, there's something called mm. Khan Academy. Yes. Yeah. K-H-A-N. Someday I'm going to watch all of his videos on math because I always, yeah. I've always been interested in calculus. Yeah. I don't have any practical applications, but it's, it's fascinating. I was about to ask what you're going to use it for, but you just said you have no practical application. Well, you know it. what I'd love to, I'd love to do is go and read about like subatomic mechanics, you know, quantum mechanics. Uh -huh. I've read, I've always read those layman books for us non-physicists. And I've always wondered, I have always had questions that cannot be answered without looking at the math. Yeah. And so I would love to be able to be in my retirement, go and look at the math and learn, you know, why a quark does what it does uh -huh. or whatever. You know, these are very fascinating aspects of reality that most of us don't think about, but that's something I 
would like to do with my retirement is learn more about math and quantum <laughs> mechanics. I like how you're already planning out your retirement learning plans. Well, this my is... wife says I can't go fishing. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Is there a specific reason? It hurts the little fishies. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Well, so I have to learn. I have to learn quantum mechanics instead. I guess that's the <laughs> compromise you have to make now. Well, you know, I would like I'd be interested because a lot of the questions that we've been asking ourselves on this program are uh -huh. limited to the bullet points that I've prepared. What does Dalton think about this issue? Oh my God, he is so for it. What are these 20 conversations <laughs> that you've had to listen to and tell you it was boring? As much as I am tired of this conversation, I do <laughs> agree that he has a very, very valid point because no matter how we argue against it, quite honestly, there's no going back. Nobody has the power to turn AI back and make it worse than what it is now. It's only going forward. <laughs> and so if we want to win a against it if you're really you know not for whole this whole ai world where you know the simple things can be just easily generated there's no groundwork that needs to be done manually anymore then you need to actually study it and understand it and get ahead of it and what he means by that is mostly what very related to what we were talking about today which is using really utilizing blockchain to protect ips to protect copyrights so that a becomes a new economy. For example, if I am a writer and I wrote this story, anytime my story is referenced, I get a little bit of royalty from you using it. And it's not a, you know, like a crazy amount of money, but if my work is popular and is good enough and people like to use it, people like to borrow from me, then I make money for my hard work. And that's how everybody should do, but that's just, that, that's going to take five worlds to work on it together for everyone to be on the same page so it's a hard cost it's a very hard uh cost to 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 start on even but we can but have ai do it for us <laughs> exactly but he's very positive about this whole prospect of what ai can do for the artist community specifically because actually right now there your work is being kind of stolen without you even knowing it's just that with ai you feel like oh now you're you know they're actually using my stuff but there's probably a lot more cases where your work is being illegally used or, or used without, you know, acknowledgement or paying you than uh, what you've heard of that AI has. So done. it also kind of depends on who is first to copyright or patent or whatever the technology or the art yeah. or whatever it is, because yeah. I believe um, Newton and Leibniz both invented calculus in different places in Europe at the same time. Oh, yeah, I remember this. The argument can, it's like one of those Tesla versus, I forget it was his name, Alexander Bell or something, whatever. These two guys, it's like this story that never mm. ends where everyone's like, no, Leibniz did it. No, 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 Newton did it. And it's going to go on forever. So if we could just go back in time and give one of mm. the blockchain technology, then yeah, <laughs> then they wouldn't have a, you know, actually, sorry, Leibniz also invented the computer, yeah. but he didn't have a, the mechanical device capable of understanding it but anyways <laughs> okay thank you so much for your ideas if you want to add to this conversation and you have more to say please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com thank you for your time listeners thank you for your time alex thank you jason always lovely talking to you see you next time yeah.